cold. You're always cold, though. Well, you've got the fan on high. Are you like anemic or something? Is that the thing? Is no, I'm a girl. We run cold. <laughs> you mean, uh, yeah, cold. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, I, I did it. No. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Anyways, welcome to episode 82 of Frightmares. I'm your host, Austin Proctor. And I need to push my mic thing a little bit closer to my face. Someone should have done that before the podcast I'm your, sh- Shut up. I'm doing it. And across the table from me is the sleepiest co-host I've ever had. Her name's Gabrielle Proctor. Hi. So enthusiastic. It's about as much as enthusiasm. Speak Never. up. I can hear you. I Never mind. You. That sentence fell apart. Never it mind. It really did. Uh, if you remember last week, I mentioned at the end of the episode something about groovy. And if you could put two and two together, I don't know. It's a pretty lame hint, to be honest. But we are doing... Disco horror. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, We are doing Bruce Campbell movies, and we picked two of them out. And they're not really so much Bruce Campbell movies as they are movies that he is in. Horror movies featuring Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he's... With like a a soup sauna, like just a pinch of... Bruce Campbell there. Yeah, it's not like uh, Evil Dead or something like that where he is the main focus. He is in both of these and he's pretty, you know, he's a main character, but it's not, it's more like he's both. He's not of main th- enough. Yeah, both of these movies were focused on completely different people, uh, but he is in them. So we're, we're going with it. Two movies we haven't seen that he's in. So fuck it. We're doing it. Bruce Campbell episode tapping. Um, and I don't have anything to say at the front of the show. I have nothing. Except that I saw the new Mortal Kombat trailer today. It looks fucking sick. It looks super gory, and I'm very excited to go see that when it comes out, apparently, April, I think, or something. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. We'll watch the um, first one from the 90s when we before we go. Cause when I we watch the other one? Yeah, because... Um, I can. I, 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 I love that one. I, I'm talking loud enough. I don't know what you want from me. I can, I can barely hear well, then you. Turn your like volume up because I can hear me fine. All right, I guess I'll crank you up a little bit. Jeez. Um, yeah, the one from the '90s, not the second one. I mean, we can watch the second one, but it's just so much sadder than the first one. Hmm. Interesting. What with the cast changes, the really aggressive fake explosions, the uptick in bad CGI. Hmm. I didn't know there was a second one. There was. Hmm. I knew about the first one, but did not know about the second one. Very excited for this one because all the fatalities look like they're going to be sick. I mean, there was a, the, the, even the trailer I watched was a red band trailer, so it showed all this freaking gore. So excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I, th- I thought there was something else I had to say, but I can't remember. I should probably write these notes down beforehand, you know? Um, possibly. Possibly. Yeah, cause the only movie we saw was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh no! Oh, I know what I was gonna. I was gonna talk about the ending of the stand. How we that, that's over we with. We did see it. That yep. is over with. It ended. It was great. I don't understand all the hate on that. It's got like a two point five or something on Letterbox, and I, I don't know, man. I thought it was freaking fantastic. I gave it four. I really liked it. Uh, I liked the stuff that they added because it wasn't too out of left field. Uh, they stuck very, very, you know, they were very, very true to the original story. And uh, it was much more graphic and violent than the 90s one because that one was made for TV. While this was technically made for TV, it was for a streaming platform so they could get away with swear words and blood and guts. But I think it wrapped up nicely. Uh, the I do agree with you, though, um, about the last episode because it kind of was unnecessary. They probably could have ended it with eight if they just made each episode just a little bit longer. 
Because I kind of felt like they just kind of dragged out the ending with a bunch of stuff that wasn't in there. See, and yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I really thought that because I do like it, I thought they did a good job, but I thought they rushed some of it. And I figured, and I was cool with it because they rushed some of it. I thought they were rushing it because they were going to spend more time on other parts. But really, the last episode was like 10% stuff that happened and 90%. Stuff that didn't actually happen at all. And um, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I kind of feel like a little cheated then because there was other stuff you could have gone into more in depth. And there was like whole things that they skipped out on to give, um, to like pace the story differently. And then apparently just added a whole episode that didn't really need to happen. Like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, I wish you would have spent more time on some other aspects. Yeah, because in the book, they, Franny and um, Stu. Stu, go, you know, they leave. I mean, I mean, spoiler, we've already talked about this, but they do, you know, they leave Colorado and head back to Maine. And that's pretty much all we get from the book is them just leaving and then that's it. But so I understand, I kind of do appreciate the what they did in the miniseries because, you know, they kind of gave it a little bit more. More than just, okay, goodbye, we're leaving. They gave it, you know, a little bit more of a story. So I did like that because it kind of showcased how it would be if you were surviving with nobody left on Earth. So I thought that was cool. And then, of course, the whole Randall Flag meeting the natives thing. That was fucking wild at the end because that is, that's the real ending when Randall meets all the guys and then he completely just gooshed that man's face off. Wow. That was a lot. Yeah, I feel like um, for that they could have... Ended it on them leaving Colorado. They didn't even need to get them to Maine. They could have been like, all right, well, we're leaving here. And then there could have been like a voiceover thing of them on the road. And like, you know, this is where our journey has taken us to. And um, really just summed it up in voiceover while showing clips of them on the road. And then called it a day from there. But the whole like midsection of them having to deal with a struggle after all their struggle. And you're like... That doesn't really make sense because the point was that they defeated the evil so they should be able to get to rest and they left Colorado because they knew that it was only a matter of time before things got back to the way they were so they wanted some peace and rest and for them to have to then experience a really traumatic event while getting on the road um, feels like they got cheated out of their uh, quote-unquote victory. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And I, like I said, while it was totally unnecessary, I didn't like hate it. It just was like, okay. Uh, I, I feel really... like you could have done something a little different. There. Yeah, didn't didn't really need that. So, but nonetheless, uh, if you have CBS All Access and you haven't been watching, I'm pretty sure they're still all there to stream. I think. Yes, they would. Yeah. They would hang out on there since I, it's I, a CBS. Was, yeah. So it's there. Go check it out if you haven't. I really enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't read the book or watched the original uh, miniseries, I would suggest at least doing one or the other. Don't necessarily need to watch watch and read the book, but if I were to suggest anything, I'd say read the book and then watch the, you know watch this miniseries. Uh, not that I didn't like the 1994 one. It was just it was just a bit a little a little goofy. You know what I mean? Casting wasn't right, um, and it's just I don't know. It, it just wasn't my you know overall my cup of tea. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, I think the, I don't think the next movie, I don't even know what the next horror movie coming out we're going to go see is. I know Spiral is apparently 
on the AMC app set for May 21st. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. We'll see. <sighs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the only thing we've seen recently in theaters was uh, Juice and the Black Messiah. That was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And then we're still keeping up with WandaVision, which uh, we got to watch now. Wait, no, that comes out. That's tomorrow. Friday's. Okay, that's Friday's. Okay, cool. Cool. We got, we got shit to do tomorrow. Um, well. Just the one thing. Just the one thing. After work. WandaVision. Oh, have you noticed, too, that every episode has ended with, like, the camera going into Vision's eye? It has. It's different clips every time, but it's a clip. Every time the show ends, it's eventually the camera just, like, uh, Vision will look at the camera, and then it just goes into his eye. And I'm like, wonder if that's going to... No idea. Okay. I just figured... I figured you'd have some speculation or something, man. If I have nothing. You're, wow. She's very sleepy today. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into these movies. We originally were, oh, well, you were originally going to uh, pick this movie called My Name is Bruce from like 2007, but apparently that is as hard to find as um, the Holy Grail. Boom. Thank you. I had nothing. Thank God you came in to save the day because I couldn't find it to rent or to buy. Well, I mean, okay, I found it to buy, but it was like $48. And for a movie I've never seen, I'm sure it's great. I was it's not $48 great, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I guess it's either out of print or something. But we couldn't find My Name is Bruce anywhere. I won't say what movie you picked yet because we're not there yet. But you came through with a fucking, like, the deepest cut I think we've had on this show. Because one, never heard about that movie even kind of. Two, it's from the 90s. Three, Bruce Campbell is in it along with a fucking, like, star-studded cast, to be honest. And um, I think it's got less than a thousand total ratings on Letterboxd. So you came through with that. Mine, while it is a while it is a deep cut, it's definitely more well known, especially if you're a fan of Tom Atkins, Bruce Campbell, and the '80s. Uh, the one I picked is Maniac Cop, and that's the one we're going to talk about first. So let's get into this. Uh, like I just said, Maniac Cop. This is rated R with a runtime of an hour and twenty five minutes. Listed as an action crime thr- or action crime horror, not thriller, pardon me. And this was released on May 13th, 1988. Directed by a man named William Lustig. But this was written by Larry Cohen. You might know him from The Stuff, The Ambulance. <coughs> Those are some of his well-known uh, uh, movies. Uh, William directed Maniac, Maniac, blah, Maniac Cop 2 and 3. He also has, uh, he didn't really direct too many other things, uh, but he does have about 128 producer credits, uh, which include Maniac from 1980 and the remake from 2012, and what looks like a new Maniac Cop that's in pre-production. The page was created on November 6th last year, so apparently this guy, if, the, if Maniac is in it, fucking William Lustig is directing it. I don't know. I think that's kind of funny or producing it. So that's going to be exciting if they're actually going to be doing like a rehash of uh, this movie because I thought it was great. So this movie stars a man who's been in the past two weeks uh, of shows, Tom Atkins uh, as Frank McRae. You know him from the things I said last week. Bruce Campbell, again, uh, you know him from things uh, as Jack Forrest, uh, a lady named Laureen Landon. That's a weird name. Uh, word try to get me to correct that but that's how it was spelled so she plays Teresa Mallory and she was also in the ambulance directed by Larry Cohen or it, written I think something something to do with Larry Cohen uh, she plays Patty in that movie and she's also in a movie called Nation's Fire is Myra so those are movies I mean I don't know what that is but that's something that exists 
And uh, lastly, I only put four on here for the for the uh, starring because there is a lot of other ones, but they're kind of you know few and far between. Uh, this the last guy is Robert Zadar, and he plays Matt Cordell, aka the Maniac Cop. He was also in Tango and Cash as Face, which is kind of a rude name because he's got a you know odd medical face. Con- he's <laughs> yeah. got a medical. He's condition. got a medical condition which gives him an odd. He has an odd face shape. And Ch- uh, it's called uh, cherubism. Cherubism. Yeah, it's a um a uh, excess growth of bone in the lower um, part of the face, um, which causes him to have an extremely wide set jaw. Yeah. So he plays Maniac Cop, and uh, he, like I said, he was also in Tango's Cash's Face, Samurai Cop as Yamashita, Yamashita, I don't know, and as well as uh, 119 other credits. So he, he be working. Yeah. Dude be working. Budget was $1.1 million, and it only grossed about six hundred and seventy-one k. so that is what you call a flop, unfortunately. But uh, for good reason, though, I mean, I guess not for good reason, but I can kind of understand why it might not have done so great, because movies that came out around the same time, never heard of this one, the first one, uh, Shakedown, don't know what that is, made a lot of money, though. Uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, Willow, yeah, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee 2, Rambo 3, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Big, and Funny Farm. So I've seen. I've seen about all those four, <laughs> five of those. Yeah, you've never seen Funny Farm though. You should see that. That's a Chevy Chase movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's like a. Isn't like a. Your dad keeps getting me to watch that one, or yes, try, try, it, and I keep forgetting about it. I, I always can for the longest time. I'm not kidding. I used to think that that movie had something to do with the book Animal Farm. Those are not related things. No. Um, nope. Funny Farm is a as uh, a writer who moves out to the country and then like has to deal with wacky country antics. <laughs> well, it's Chevy Chase and um, I can't think of the actress's name, but I'd rec- yeah. you'd recognize her if you saw her. Yeah, so I mean, those are there's some pretty. Bi- I don't think Killer Clowns from Outer Space went to theaters because there was no um gross next to how much it made so i'm not sure if that one did but i mean you know rambo three crocodile dundee two willow those are all movies that made a lot of money so this might have kind of been a reason that this movie didn't gross as much as it should have um so that's you know that's just one of my theories and uh lastly before i get into the main part of the review body count on this was 19 according to imdb i counted 16 but i also could have missed them because at one point they're walking around this police station and there's literally bodies just hanging from the ceiling and on the floor so we'll just go with 19 uh it's about five until like the like the last 30 minutes and then it just kind of fucking ramps up from there so let's get into this review here because this was this was a fun one uh, the very opening shot, scene, whatever you want to call it, is is extremely dramatic montage of like this cop getting dressed, and every time he like loops or he like he'll like loop his belt, and then the frame will pause and then fade out, and then he'll put on his gloves and it'll pause. It's, like very dramatic. It's like uh, when Batman gets ready in one of the. Um... <laughs> it's like the zoom in every time he does something. Yeah, and the Joel <laughs> Schumacher ones. He's just yeah. like, all right, guys, we get we it. Get He's it. putting his clothes on. Forty-seven cuts later, and the movie's over. Uh, all right. Speaking of cuts, this cuts to a woman walking down the street in New York who gets mugged by two men. She manages to whoop some ass though because she, you know, fights them off and then runs away. But uh, they get right back up and start chasing her. Luckily, she sees this cop off in the distance and she runs over there like, "Oh my God, please help me!" While these other two guys are kind of hiding behind this like playground or some shit. Uh, unfortunately, she found the wrong cop though because he decides to strangle her. 
you know, for whatever reason. I mean, obviously the title of the movie is Maniac Cop, but you know, I I thought he was gonna like actually help her, but no. Yeah, he... which was a bummer because she was like <laughs> kicking those muggers' asses right up till I she know. was running away. She was like. <laughs> Like launching them backwards into cars and wailing on them with their purse. I'm like, damn, lady, you got this. If that's if that's a thing that purses are good for, besides holding shit, it's apparently whacking muggers in the face repeatedly. That's why we carry so much stuff in there for <laughs> so, weight. So we so it's weighted. Um, so yeah, she gets uh, she's she's dead right off the bat. Um, and then we cut to uh, the medical examiner where Tom Atkins, National Treasure, rolls up. I'm going to refer to him as Frank because that's his name in the movie. Uh, he shows up, is asking the M, you know, the medical examiner how she died. He gives her what happened, you know, strangulation, this and that. And uh, Frank looks down at her. And he's like, oh, man, I know her. Her name's Cassie. She owns uh, a bar or something like that, I think, that he used to frequent. And they knew each other. She worked at a bar. Or she worked at a bar. Sorry, yeah. So uh, he knows her, and he's kind of sad for a second. And then, you know, next thing we see is uh, this couple at a stoplight. They pull up. Light or uh, red light, and they're sitting there, and they're like, this is taking forever. Oh, let's make out. So they start making out, and then, uh, yeah, guess who comes to the window? Fucking maniac cop, bro. And he gestures for the guy to get out. The guy gets out. He's starting to do like the, uh, um, what's that test called? The Not the drunk test. It's the uh, sobriety test. Wow, there we go. The drunk test. The drunk test. Yeah, fucking drunk. And uh, he has his arms behind his back, like on his, uh, is that Billy Club? Is that what they call it? Yeah. Belize, Belize, no, Billy Club. Yeah. It's a Billy Club. And as he's doing the sobriety test, he pulls the billy club apart, and we see that it's a, it's a knife. It's this giant blade that he uses to just, I don't know if he just cut his throat or stabbed him. I don't know. He fucking... He, like, slashed across his throat a few okay. times. Okay. So he murders the shit out of him and then throws him onto the car where the girl's at. She's freaking out. She's screaming. She tries... To think when I, I think it's probably my favorite horror moment because after he kills... That guy and throws him in the car. There's blood all over the windshield, and she tries to use the wipers, and it just like smears the blood around, and the windshield's also cracked. So she's like, "Oh fuck!" And she just throws it in gear and just you know goes off into oblivion. And uh, we never see her again. So hope she's doing okay. Um, let's see here. Like, so it's cool because the first like five or first 15, 20 minutes is just this guy murdering the shit out of people. It'll be like murder, cut to cops, murder. Cut to cops, because then the next thing we see is, um, oh shit, where'd I go? There we go. He, uh, he's, he goes to this guy who's just getting in his car and he puts a maniac cop, puts a handcuffs on this man, then pulls out his knife to stab him. He luckily gets away, but then he just ends up falling in some wet cement and maniac cop comes up behind him and just mashes his face in there until he dies. And then when he's found, the uh, cement has dried and he's kind of just stuck there. And also, fun fact that I told you, this will keep you up tonight. Apparently, and I don't know why I know this. I think I saw this on TikTok. It was like the weird facts. This guy says, if you get buried alive in uh, wet cement and it dries, you won't suffocate. The cement will just extract all the moisture out of your body, which sounds so fucking painful. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you didn't think I knew Uh. that, and I did because... Grey's Anatomy goes yeah. into some wild episodes like a kid literally gets buried in there and they're like, we have to hydrate him. And they're like, oh, my God, we've pumped him full of water and there's no way for him to pee. And he's like two seconds from his bladder exploding. You're like, this show's wild. Yeah. You look at me straight face. just like, yeah, I know, bitch. And I'm like, Shit, oh, fuck. I, how am I supposed to know you knew that? I, thought that I know was a- so much stuff from Grey's Anatomy. <sighs> I forgot you watch all those crazy shows like that. So, yeah, that's that's a terrifying fact that'll keep you up tonight. So uh, try not to die that way. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, later, 
<coughs> Later on, we see this lady. Uh, she's driving down the road, doing her fucking thing, and her car starts to overheat, so she pulls over. Uh, while this is happening, she's listening to the radio, and they're talking about this rogue guy going around killing all these people, innocent people, too, which is a thing they harp on. It's not like anybody who's bad. It's literally just innocent people on the streets not doing anything. And then this cop pulls up behind her, I'm assuming to help her because her car is fucking smoking. Um, but she does not like that at all because he taps on the window and she pulls out a gun and says, You're not, you won't get me, bam! And just shoots this fucking poor guy who was not the maniac cop. He was just trying to help. Uh, and then they never reference that again either. So I, I guess she got off scot-free. Like, oh, uh, well, you know, <laughs> know, that seems fair. I have no idea. Um <laughs> Another good horror moment that was kind of uh, wild and silly. Finally, we have Bruce Campbell enter as Jack Forrest. He is a cop, which is funny because for some reason, you know, I haven't, I've only seen like the, like the, you remember the last part where we actually see Maniac Cop's face? Yeah. That's like, you know, um, like a banner on Letterboxd. So I was like, oh, it's Bruce Campbell just with some makeup on. I really thought he was Maniac Cop. No, he's just a regular dude or regular cop. And uh, it's it's him with his wife, Ellen, and she's, like, super worried sick about him working nights because this maniac's on the loose. She doesn't want him to go out there, but he has to because it's his job. And uh, right after he leaves, uh, Ellen gets a call from someone that she has no idea who it is, but they've been calling every night, and the, and the unknown lady is like, I bet he went out again, didn't he? Is he going to keep killing all those people? And, of course, she's kind of suspicious at this point, too, and she hangs up the phone goes downstairs and follows Jack. Well, she follows him to a motel room, and, and then we find out that Jack is cheating on Ellen, and who that is, we'll get to that in just a second. Anyway, she pulls that gun that she had in her pocket on Jack, and I was like, oh, God, he's she's going to get shot. No, she just kind of ends up running away and just being upset. Uh, but as she's leaving, she gets swept up by the maniac cop into a van, which is weird because I didn't ever see that van for the rest of the movie. But again, yeah, it's, it's fine. Little details. Don't get hung up on them. Um, uh, the next day we see Ellen was killed and her body was left at the, at the same motel by, you know, and then she was discovered by a maid, uh, Jack's captain or whoever he is, Lieutenant Sergeant, whoever he is blames him right away because he was at that hotel that, uh, at the same night. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like I was there, but she came and then she left. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Good story. Great. 80% of the time. It's always the husband when the wife dies and, uh, they read him his rights and then he goes downstairs and. His, I love when his lawyer shows up and he's pretty much just like, you should probably just admit you did it. And he's like, dude, I, I didn't do it. Are you supposed to be on my side, guy? Like, can we get on the same page here? So I thought that was kind of funny. He just immediately was like, yeah, I don't think we have much of a story here. But Jack is like, no, 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 no. I have a witness. I don't really want to bring her in because I don't want this to get out there. But uh, she's the only witness. And uh, her name's Teresa, who's an undercover cop who works at the station. And she poses as a prostitute in the vice unit. Uh, that's her job there. So we find out that, oh, he's cheating on his wife with a cop. That works. Okay. Interesting. Um, Frank, this whole time, though, um, Tom Atkins is on Jack's side with this whole situation. Frank thinks that there's a cop from the inside getting all this information and setting Jack up as the fall guy for all these murders. Well, Frank then asked to talk to Teresa because he's like, oh, maybe, maybe she's connected. Like, who knows? So he goes to find her. And as soon as he finds her on that street, Maniac Cop shows up. And tries to get at her. He can't. And then Tom Atkins flies around the corner, whips out his gun, and they just fire off a few rounds into uh, Maniac Cop right in the chest. And then I don't know what happened, but the next scene is just like, he, he's like, he's vanished. 
Oh yeah, he he, he doesn't even run away. He literally just gone. Like <laughs> they're like, gone. where did he go? There he's he's literally backed up to an open parking lot. Like yeah, where is he hiding around the corner? It was like shot, shot, boom, boom, bang. Look at Tom or look at um Frank and Teresa. Look back, gone. Like oh, he was he was in an open area. <laughs> where was he going? There was the yeah, other. It was literally a parking lot. Movie magic, man. Um, and then Frank's like, okay, I'm gonna put you up at my house so you can be safe. You know, I don't want you getting murdered because that's not going to help our case right now since you're the only witness. Um, it's true. It is very true. Uh, then we come to find out that there's this woman named Sally who works at the police department station place. Uh, and she knows about the affair between Teresa and Jack because Miss uh, fucking Blabbermouth over here, Teresa, has told her about this. Well, she said she was kind of like a den mother to them, I'm guessing, because she was oh. an older female cop. And um, it's a boys club situation in police station. So I think it was kind of implied. That's fair. So um, Sally's the one who knows. She's the only one who knows besides, you know, Teresa and Jack. So Frank is like, all right, she definitely has to have something to do with this. There's no way she doesn't. And um, he's like, okay, I'm going to go pay her a visit because they've never met face to face. And uh, so he goes to get a face to the name, you know, like a name to the face or face to the name, whatever that is. They talk for a little bit. He bolts. And then as soon as she leaves, we see Tom Atkins in his car waiting for her, you know, and then he follows her and then she leads him right to Maniac Cop, who we find out is named Matt Cordell, Corbell, Cordell, which is funny because in the opening sequence, it literally says his name on the te- on like the uh, on his badge. It literally yeah. just says Cordell across. So you're like, I feel like it's not Bruce Campbell as that is not his name. Mm hmm. You figure that they, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. You figure that they wouldn't have shown that because you're in, well, I mean, do you Because as soon as you see it, or as soon as they say his name, you're like, well, that's got to be him or else why would we have a montage of him getting dressed in the beginning of the film? Well, yeah, you know it's Maniac Cop in the beginning, but yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense to give away the name tag because they don't really give you any sort of MacGuffin at that point. You know his name's Cordell. You know Jack's last name is fucking um, Forrest. And, you know, uh, Tom Atkins' last name is McRae. So you're like, well, it's not either one of them. Mystery solved. <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, yeah, so she leads him to this, like, boat yard or some shit. And then we see her talking to Maniac Cop. And you're like, ha-ha, it's you. You're the reason that, you know. And it's, it's kind of weird because so what she wanted to do. Because, like. You know, Jack, did Jack even do anything to them for him to warrant, like, being this, like, the fall guy? Like, what was the point? Why, like, I'm picking you. It's your no, fault. It was just because he was of a similar build. Um, and okay. oh, he, yeah. he had That's enough right. uh, red flags to warrant them suspecting him when it came up. Yeah, because there's some other red flags that they go into. Um, oh, one of them was, well, yeah. His one- marital problems, like, his wife, he didn't even, like, he was over trying with his wife because his wife wasn't um, was like scared of him. And then she uh, wouldn't come near him. And he's like, um, I, she goes, are you just done now? And he's like, I paid for therapy. I was willing to go. You didn't want to go. And he was just kind of like, I'm over this marriage. You're not even putting an effort. Oh yeah. And they bring the therapy up too. At one point and he's like, it was marital counseling. He's like, I'm not like a looney tune. Like it was for me and my wife. And then, of course, the diary that they had of Ellen's, 
that you know that had the suspicions oh, of yeah the weird scrapbook yeah the weird scrapbook that she wrote down that she was suspicious of Jack and he might be the killer and they're like can you not sell me out like because it's not even me so I think it's kind of funny it's like mistaken identity like it, it's really not me there is like, a it's not me it's, guys. there's a murderer out there you should probably be looking for him because it's not me. But, you know, he was at the hotel that night and he didn't want to say why because he's cheating on his wife. So it's like you might as well just I mean, listen, at this point, you should just admit you were cheating because you're going to go down as a, as a murderer if you don't. So it's kind of fessed up there, Mr. Bruce Campbell. Um, so anyways, they kind of have like a little they, like, <laughs> what does Sally do? She hears something in the distance, which is Tom Atkins rustling around. And then she's just like, who there? Bam, bam, like fires off two and shots. And you're like, cat's like, yeah, she's like, oh. Okay, so Tom Atkins fucking hauls ass out of there, and uh, he also gets startled by the um, security guard that's there and pulls a gun on him. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, everybody fucking calm down. It's okay. Everyone's like, <laughs> shoot, just shoot the gun. It's fine. <laughs> so after he leaves, he goes to the new uh, the newspaper stand. Oh, my God. He goes to the police station, and he's flipping through all these old newspaper clippings about Matt Cordell, a.k.a. Maniac Cop. And another officer who's helping him is like, yeah, he was kind of a shoot first, ask questions later guy because all these newspaper clippings were essentially saying like, you know, he, he was killing people instead of like trying to capture people or whatever. He was just shooting them. So I think that's one of the reasons why we find out that he went to jail because of just too many killings, I think. Can't remember specifics. Um, yeah, no, that was pretty much it was because okay. he wasn't following um, rules and regulations and what he was doing wasn't technically legal yeah so he goes to jail and then his face and then his face gets all cut up by three uh, prisoners while he's in there and this is the this is the i'm gonna leave it pretty much here after i say one more thing uh after this because he his face gets cut up so bad that the medical examiner who was taking care of him just thought he was dead so he was declared dead that's why nobody thinks it's uh, Matt Cordell, because everyone thinks he's dead when he's clearly not. So that's the whole problem is, is, you know, they're, they're going after Bruce Campbell because they're like, yeah, there's no way it's him. He's, he's dead. What are you talking about? And then this is where I'm going to leave it because at the police station where Frank is, uh, they meet up with Jack and Teresa in the interrogation room and they plan to get to the bottom of all this stuff by tomorrow. And then that's where I'm going to leave it. Cause shit pretty much hits the fan at that point with maniac cop doing a whole bunch of craziness and then it kind of lulls out for a second but then we get a sweet fucking 80s uh car chase scene and an epic ending and then there's kind of like a you know you know if you were to see this when it first came out it's like oh is it over question mark i mean we know it's not because there's you know two more but um i thought this is freaking great i thought it was kind of you know it was kind of cheesy a little bit but it was also kind of fun great body count not a lot of like great gore but i mean it was still fun. I, I quite enjoyed this. I gave this one a, uh, a 3.5 out of 5. I thought it was a good time. Uh, what did you, or well, what would you, did you give it? I'd give it like a, like a two and a half. Oh, man. It's not, not, not... It just didn't really like get me. It wasn't bad. It certainly wasn't as bad as some other movies we've seen. <laughs> like it, it was watchable to say the least. It was It wasn't like... Oh my God! Why are we sitting through this? Like, I was interested enough in the story, but um, I just overall it wasn't anything particularly special to me. And I thought the uh, 
wildly crappy cop work was um, kind of bothersome. They're like, nope, it's definitely him. They're like, except like he has a witness, but it's definitely not him. Like in the fact that the main investigator knew he had a witness and decided to play that one close to the chest for no particular reason. Didn't share That's that fair. information. He and the the witness were both who were both cops were like, oh, we'll keep this quiet so we can find the real killer. Like, yeah, definitely, definitely let everybody think <laughs> Jack's the killer over there while you sort this out. And they all villainize him because, you know, this guy's killing people who would know the real truth. So you should definitely keep it to yourself. So that way, if you die, there's no possible way for Jack to get exonerated. No, that's fair. solid A plus plan. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know me. I, I'm a huge sucker for anything Tom Atkins does. Uh, he's no, I a, liked he's him a, in this. I liked him in this more than I did um, my bloody Valentine. Well, yeah, because that you know that was that's this is 80s Tom Atkins. Not that there's anything wrong with you know 2000s Tom Atkins at all. I, I love him no matter what. Uh, but it's you know it's got Tom Atkins, it's got Bruce Campbell. It's an 80s movie and it's an hour and 25 minutes. Fucking sold. You've got my vote. Um, okay, so two and a half from you, three and a half from me, 3.1 out of five on Letterboxd, and then a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. So I recommend this. This is streaming on Shudder as well as the as well as two and three. So you can fucking, if you have a day off, marathon all three of those because uh, let's see what this, I'm curious to see what the second one has, at least on IMDb. You know what? I'd rather go to Letterboxd because it's going to have a more accurate rating typically does all right let's go to maniac cop all right so the second one from 1990 has a 3.2 so this has got a better rating than the first one which it so it might be better now unfortunately spoiler alert uh tom atkins doesn't make it so you know apparently in both the movies that he's been in the last two weeks he, he's not good at staying alive which is sad because he usually does um so bruce campbell and lauren landon or laureen landon are both in the second one, as well as Robert Zadar. So three of the main actors from this one are in the second one. And then I think the third one just is, uh, yeah, that one only has a 2.6. And the only person that's in it from the first two is uh, Robert Zadar as uh, Maniac Cop. So I definitely want to check out two because that's got a better rating. I got it. We, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You probably won't. I'll probably just do, I'll probably watch that one alone, but I've got to check that one out since it's got more. And it was also directed by the same guy. So I'm definitely down for that. All right. Do you have anything else you wanted to say on that? Any, any other points you liked or anything? Uh, no, but I thought you were going to read trivia. Oh, no, I am. I just didn't know if you had anything more anything more plot-wise. No. All right, so let's get to some trivia on this movie. Uh, there's actually quite a few, but I picked my favorite. So the actors that both play the protagonist uh, and the antagonist, so Robert Campbell and Robert Zadar, have had the nickname The Chin. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Uh, three cameras were used to shoot the St. Patrick's Day parade before the production began. Sam Raimi shot some of this footage, which was shown to investors to secure the money to complete the film. Because, you know, it's Sam Raimi. I mean, come on. Yeah. Here's money, Sam Raimi. Take my money. Uh, after or Actor Robert Zadar, who played the maniac cop, actually worked as a police officer in real life for the Chicago Police Department. This one was set in New York, um, as I'm literally about to say right now. Although the film is set in New York, it was only shot there for three days. Which is pretty probably just the exterior shots. Uh, all right, here we got a couple more here. Bruce Campbell admits that he only did this film because he needed work. He admits that it film was not any good. So that's kind of funny. He doesn't even like it. And lastly, Jill Gatsby is uh, Larry Cohen's daughter, and she is killed in every one of his movies that she's in. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> That's not a subliminal message. <laughs> yeah, I love you. You're a great daughter. Now die in every single one of my movies. I'm just kidding. She's probably great and they probably love each other. I'm just I'm just being weird. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so again, Maniac Cop from 1988. Go check that out on Shudder. It is a it is a it is a hoot and a half. I really enjoyed it. Typical 80s cheese with a great cast. All right. Now, we're going to get to this next one. And I have no words besides WTF that I just watched. <laughs> it was so fucking good. I so- can't describe to you how how I proud I am of you of finding this movie. I, I I looked at all of Bruce Campbell's movies. I went right past this shit. Yeah, so what happened was <laughs> we went to look for My Name is Bruce, and we looked everywhere, and we couldn't find it anywhere. So we were like, crap. That was our whole plan was that movie. Because as soon as he said, we're doing Bruce Campbell movies, he's like, I've picked this one, and I'm guessing you want to do My Name is Bruce. I'm like, well, I don't know how you knew that, but yes, that would be my pick. I knew um, it. I was, so, I was like, oh, that's right. That's a movie she loves. It's going to yes, be Yes, uh, because it was so funny. Um, to be fair, I did rent it from Blockbuster. Oh, man. If, yeah. If only. Damn it, Blockbuster. Yeah. Damn that, it. That's how I saw it was from Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> so then I had to go on. To, so instead of going to like IMDb to scroll through his movies, I went there and filtered through for his horror movies. And then I went to Amazon and then searched all of his movies to see where the overlap was and what. No, no, sorry. sorry. Just let me know when you're done. I just had something I want to say. Um, and the first thing I bumped into was this film. And I was like, yep, did it done. Been two minutes. You can go to actors pages on IMDb and sort their movies by genre. Yeah. What? I've done that multiple times now. Oh my too. god, that um, would have saved me so much time looking through. He's like, he's got like a hundred something credits. Yeah. Just, oh god. Okay, I know that going forward now. That'll. Save it me. really helps because then that helps you not go, oh, this movie, and then you find out you just watched like a rom com and you thought it was like a horror slasher because of a misleading title. Oh my um, god. So okay, how the fuck do you do? Okay, all filmography. So how, filter. One hundred and fifty-one. Oh yeah, filter. Wait. Uh, filter by genre. So you got to go to all of his films. So you mean sorted? Yeah. Sort by genre. Uh, no, I see alphabetical number. Oh, genre. Oh my fucking god, are you serious? Yeah. Can I get to my movie now? Yeah. Come you on. just upset her, and she was unconscious. Like her little legs have been tweaking this whole time. That's why I keep looking oh, over there, and you broke her. All right. Well, now if you don't know that as well, you... God, it's I a good I... way to filter out the movies for the genre you're looking God, for. I need... Okay, all right. Um, you also mistyped a word right there. Which one? The word empire. Impure. Not, not impure. Impure. Sorry, um, I was okay, t- typing so this up hastily. This film is called Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat. The greatest movie you've never heard of. So it was rated R. It's a runtime of an hour and 44 minutes. It was re- released November 2nd, 1991, just in time for my first birthday. <laughs> um, which, yeah. Um, it's a comedy horror western. And it was directed by Anthony Hickox, who also directed Hellraiser. I think it's Hellraiser 3, actually. Uh, it's, it's Hellraiser. And Waxwork. Um, it's starring David Carradine is Marjolac, who you may have seen as Bill in Kill Bill. Ah, shit. It is Hellraiser 3. God Boom, damn it. Burn. Ah, shut up. Shut okay. up. And he also has other, like, 200 other acting credits. Um, David Carradine was 
extremely busy with acting. Um, he's been in a crap ton of things. He's just one of those old white guys that's in like everything. They're just there. There's a group of them. I think they hang out together, braid each other's hair. Um, wow. <laughs> Morgan Brittany as Sarah. She was also Baby June in Gypsy. Why are you bringing that backwards? Because the movie's called Gypsy and she's Baby June. I know the movie. That's not an answer. Okay. And um, yeah, Gypsy Rose Lee. It, she's a burlesque dancer. And Gable and Lombard as Vivian Lay. Wow, actually, she does look like Vivian Lay. And Bruce Campbell as Van Helsing. And Jim Meltzer as David. He was also in LA Confidential as City Councilman. And River's Edge as Mr. Berkwaite. And then Maxwell, uh, Maxwell Caulfield as Shane. You may know him as that guy who was in Grease 2 as Michael. <laughs> Or if you're a 90s movie fan, he was in Empire Records as Rex Manning. Wow, that was... And then my favorite surprise actress I didn't realize was in this because I already loved her from other stuff. Um, Deborah Foreman as Sandy. She was also in Real Genius as Susan Decker and April Fool's Day as Muffy slash Buffy. And also one of my 80s favorite classics, My Chauffeur. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I love her in that movie, and then I kept finding her in other things. I'm like, look at you doing stuff, and now I can see you Man, in them. she she was like, she is extremely pretty. Like, yeah, well, she's, she's like, the popular girl in Valley yeah, Girl. She's she, in that with Nicolas Cage. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's just like that typical, just that like 80s, just pretty girl. Like, nice, like, long blonde hair. It's like, man, you are killing it in the 80s. Oh, yeah, she you had go, that, um, that blonde bombshell look in this film. Bombshell. I keep wanting to say lady killer, but that's that's not, it's that's not, not it. That's not it, no. Bombshell. There we so go. the budget on this one was $3 million. Um, I assume most of it was for sunscreen. And Jesus. there's no data on how much it grossed. Oh, man, we're going to get into this. this um, movies great. that came out around the same time, um, Other People's Money, Curly Sue. Wow, really? Curly Sue? Uh, Highlander 2, The People Under the Stairs, Beauty and the Beast, Jesus. That made like four hundred wow, million dollars. This is or dating this movie really hard. But for me look right at all now. the shit that came out. Like Cape Fear, The Adams Family, An American Tale, Five Goes West, and My Girl. Wow, I've seen like almost all of those. Yeah, those are dude. Those are all fucking. No wonder no one's heard of this movie. All these dude. These are all like fucking. There was no competing. There's all these are all blockbuster movies, or maybe I not mean, blockbuster, but like they grossed a lot of money. We're talking about Disney's Renaissance era. You're not competing with that. That's no. like trying to compete with Pixar. It's not happening. And Cape Fear, which I think made about I think I think when I saw it made about ninety. And an Adams Family. I mean, come on. Plus, plus, you have people under the stairs, which was a Wes Craven. So yeah, it's like there was no competing. There was, yeah, there's <laughs> you can't go up against that, especially with what this movie was. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in this count, or in this film, the body count is kind of hard to say if you count the number of human people who did not make it through it's the really film just... as humans. The count's five. If you make it. To people who actually stayed dead after they died, it's one plus a questionable number of vampires. There was a whole mob situation. There's no telling how many people. They were just wildly firing guns everywhere. No telling who made it out of that. Yeah, um, it was, was kind of hard. It'd to be physically like impossible out. to actually count that, especially since some of it was off screen. Yeah, it was kind of hard. So it, it body count's not really what matters in this movie. It there's there's just so much more that matters. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's like okay i'm gonna just start with the basic setup yeah because there's like six to different storylines 
It's a world where vampires have decided that they no longer want to live in the shadow. They want to become members of society again. So instead of feasting upon humans, they are now learning to live off synthetic blood substitute. And if you think I'm talking about the plot of True Blood, also yes. But I see where they got their idea from. Yeah, I kind of wonder. I mean, that those books came out after this. So. Also, uh, it's called Nectarine, and it's N-E-C-K. Yes. It, it, um, <laughs> while True Blood's blood, synthet- synthetic blood, is called True Blood, um, Nectarine is a much funnier name. Probably wouldn't have had the same vibe, though. Um, <laughs> it's just a show called Nectarine. It's a vampire show. Just go with it. Um, so these vampires, for some bizarre reason, have decided to live out in the desert. And... Which like right like right of all places, and to make it even wilder, they are able to do this by using sunglasses to protect their eyes, hats, umbrellas, and SPF one hundred sunscreen that they all use religiously in order to um, avoid the sun's rays. Um, so we open up on three hick old men <laughs> swinging on a bench together just like living their lives and some guy, some douche canoe in a Jeep with a ponytail comes zooming by and asks for gas. And they think he's someone else. And, uh, they keep asking if he's the guy they've been waiting for. And he's like, nah, I'm this other guy and I'm going to be a star. Well, he decides to be kind of a dick to the man who's pumping the gas for him. So, um, the man loses his temper and, uh, cleans his clock um, straight off of his neck. It was, it was probably crazy. my favorite horror moment. Just punches just his say. head right off his body. It's it, just it, boom, which is very like killer clowns from outer space, but like I with, laughed. with less suspecting that something was gonna happen. Yeah, I, I laughed like so loud. I had to apologize. I was like, I'm sorry. That was that was so funny. <laughs> and while this is happening, there is a couple who are apparently in the woods, but like also with an eye line and have been watching him with binoculars like you do with your friends <laughs> like while they're going to do. get gas. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Like what possessed you to go, I'm going to watch him get gas through binoculars. Cause they see the whole thing happen and they're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. We got to tell somebody. So while the, um, the old guys are cleaning up the body and complaining that now they're going to go ha- They're going to have to go report in. Um, for what they did or for what the one guy did, um, cause they're going to get in trouble. There's a strict, no hurting humans policy. Um, the couple go running off to town so they can get the police. So from there you cut over to a family who is heading to this town. They've had some, um, it's a husband and wife who have had some issues with each other and they're like, you know, they're a little rocky on their marriage right now. They've got two little girls, um, maybe like six and eight. One of them was precious. One of them was an ogre. I'm sorry. Yeah, one of them was cuter. Sorry, it was guys. it was the bangs. It was the, it, the bangs were really rough. Oh, and um, so is the acting. Uh, <laughs> child actors have gotten better over the years. Um so they're they're also going to this town, and I apologize. The town is called Purgatory. Which subtle is a really subtle joke, yeah. Subtle, because yeah. What else does purgatory mean? What, what was... I didn't, lady. 
Turn, yeah, turn Alexa. Don't beep at me. I wasn't summoning you, lady. So, anyways, the family is heading to Purgatory to work uh, for the husband's job. He is going to this factory, which um, is revealed to be the factory where the synthetic blood is made. He is thinking is this uh, this as an opportunity um, to help people who have problems getting blood donations because there's always a shortage on blood donations. In reality, it's so the vampires can um, go uh, uh, go vegetarian, so to speak. Go vegetarian. That's essentially what this is. It's ve- it's vegetarian vampires. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, the old guy goes to town and um, he gets locked up by the sheriff. Who he he doesn't even like get arrested so much as escorted casually in into the uh, jail cell. He was right in the front seat of the cop car. Yeah, and um, the two teens, the youths, show up and start like trying to say, like, oh, he killed him when we saw everything. And they're like, super, I guess you also get to be put in a prison cell because they're like, shit, now they know something's up. Yeah. And um, the town is extremely nosy. It's a bunch of vampires wearing glasses wandering around, like watching really, really awkwardly through the window. Like, imagine an entire diner worth... Diners worth of people just pressed up against the glass, staring outside. And um, they also do this about the time the family comes to town and they're trying to be like inconspicuous, but also they keep doing awkward things. And one of the little girls is obsessed with vampires. So every time she mentions them, people start freaking out. And they're like, Vampires, what vampires? Where are vampires? What? What? And um, so they go to stay in this house. And that night, while they're staying in the house, bats. you start to see that the uh, vampires do actually turn into bats if they want to. And they're spectacularly claymation, like they are the most bizarrely out of place, but like so great bats. And one of the bats decides to fly into the house to um, assault the mother because he is like full nude. Except it's really bizarre because even though he's definitely, definitely nude, he definitely, definitely has something over his dick. Well, in that one shot when he first comes in, yeah, it, they don't they they don't have enough shadows on his like you know. So you can see uh, he's yeah. got like some sort of cod piece. Thing yeah, he's going got on. some just like skin colored like banana hammock if you want to call it that. And then yeah, and then he goes back to being a bat. It's kind of like flip flopping between naked dude and bat. <laughs> it's the weirdest fucking scene in this entire movie. Which is great because um, while this is happening, the dad's too busy listening to music to hear anything that's going on. <laughs> too busy rocking out. And the daughters run in, and. The mom and the daughters are all like, oh, my God, what's going on? This is crazy. And everybody's screaming. And they finally get the vampire to go away. And the wife sees it. The youngest daughter knows it happened. And for some bizarre reason, the older daughter seems to have just blacked it out entirely. And, I think uh, I would, too. And then the dad uh, decides instead of believing this many people having experienced this, he try, he decides to gaslight his wife and going, you're just crazy. You imagine things. And since you told this dream, you said this to our daughter, she dreamed about it. Like you are a terrible husband. Well, they're all hysterical women. Oh, why? If you're, you're a man in a movie, you don't believe them. Right. Cause that's a stereotypical trope. Yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> and, um, that same evening, this guy who looks like an old timey preacher, 
who um, was consulted when the old man kills um, Douche Canoe. He's like, yeah, you got to go to jail for a bit um, to wait for um, Marjolac, who owns the town, to uh, come and pass judgment on you and decide what he wants to do since you broke the rules. He goes off to a bar, bumps into these like rocker punk, like this punk couple, and um, offers them the chance to be vampires forever. And then you get to watch them flap off into the night while discussing what may or may not kill them. And he's like, yeah, sun's not really a problem anymore. We've got sunscreen. It's cool. I, just, I love that scene because they're flying in like formation through the night. And it's just Robert Carradine talking to them in the air. <laughs> Man, this is this is movie magic at its fucking finest. I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah. And he takes um, them to this cave where it turns out he's been building a whole army of people because he's actually against um, going vegetarian, so to speak. And you come to find out that the guy who was trying to molest um, the uh, the wife in the family, he is also a part of this scheme, and he is the guy heading up the project for the nectarine, and um, he and the father are both, like, old rivals, and for some bizarre-ass reason, while they're arguing and kind of getting into a pissing contest, he decides to start talking about how uh, good the guy's wife is at giving blowjobs and, um, like, having orgasms. And I think you and I both went, like, why are you talking? That's gross, dude. Like, ew, what's wrong with you? That's a weird flex, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know what? All right. Gross. So it uh, turns on. out that the wife had slept with him or slept with this guy um but for some reason didn't notice him while he was nude like right in her face in her bedroom also was, was he a vampire when they were sleeping together he was not oh did they say that? He, he wasn't a vampire until he came to purgatory got it so it was several years ago she slept with him uh while she was married and it's possible that the Youngest daughter may, in fact, be this guy's kid it's and not her husband. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. I don't think it's any of their kids because she's got, like, white blonde hair and everybody else was a brunette. Doesn't he? Didn't he have, like, dirty blonde hair? No? He does, actually, in real life. Yeah. So, so maybe. maybe? Um, Who knows? It's a mystery. So the family's dealing with this whole, oh, crap, like, you cheated and this might not be my kid thing. The town is trying to get the nectarine back on track, and they are seek and they're unaware that there's about to be like some shit going down the next day. The guy's like, "Only one more night until this all goes down." And there's a lot of layers. I think we should say that there are about four separate storylines going on at the same time. And you haven't even gotten uh, to Bruce yet. I haven't even got to Marjolac yet. I know this. This this shit is like. Dent. Yeah, you Dense. know what? There we go. <laughs> Not thick. Shout out to <laughs> this film for having a fully fledged plot line. Like, it was it silly, absolutely, but they like worked the whole plot line out. It wasn't like some of those films where you're like, "This is silly because you didn't actually finish the writing part. You just kind of went with it. You wrote about two thirds of it and then just uh, guessed the rest. Gave of it, it to a kid with a crayon. Pretty much. So. <laughs> While the kids are playing in the house, they bump into Marjolac, who um, 
was sleeping in a coffin and then he's like, nah, I was visiting my mom's coffin who's in the basement because that's what she wanted and it's not weird and it's actually a tunnel between this house and the house across the street, which is my house and it's it's not weird. It's not weird at all. No, no. Yeah. So um, he's like very polite and kind and he's the one that owns the town and started all these um, vegetarian vampires. I love that so much. I, I think that might actually be from uh, the Vampire Diaries. Who knows? Um, so that's all going on. And then let's cut over to Bruce because Bruce Campbell is, in fact, in this film. He is trekking into town until his car breaks down. And uh, he gets to the gas station with the old dudes. And I think is really beautiful about the old guys on the swing is there's <clears throat> three of them sitting on one swing. The one old guy who punched the douchey guy's head off is now in jail. <laughs> but the other two are still sitting in their designated spot. So one sitting in the middle and one sitting to the side because those are just their spots. So they're I, not I, moving. I, I love that, too. I noticed that. I forgot to say something, but I thought that was hysterical that, yes, they were no matter who's on that bench, Assigned this is seating. my spot. I'm going to get right up next to you. And we're going to get cozy, friend. Yeah. And he's like, oh, do you guys have like... um like a tow truck or a phone and they're like nope and he goes okay well i'm trying to get this town to purgatory there isn't a town called purgatory like well um but like there is and they're like nope there's not so he has to walk it the whole way so when he finally gets into the town he goes into the diner which has some sort of weird sideline bit that the guy just keeps reheating these old cheeseburgers over and over again and everyone talks about how they taste like garbage but like they keep pretending to eat them anytime people are around well, they have to you know put on their you know put on airs or whatever whenever whatever you call it because people are here yeah so the, the food is all moldy and green. well they're all like poking their face in <laughs> like in the window to drool at the uh, people in the jail cell that they can clearly see from the window at the diner yep and um so bruce starts asking questions and starts asking for coffee and um asking about marjolac because he's looking for him and he shows them a tiny painting not a photo a tiny painting of him painting i fucking died and uh that's when he bumps into my girl sandy who works at the um diner and she thinks he's cute so she decides to like sneak him out and help him out um to kind of figure out what he's doing and then while they're off together, he figures out that she's a vampire, but she convinces him not to stake her um, if she agrees to take him to Marjolac. And I think it's really beautiful that uh, she really only takes him there long enough to get permission to turn him into a vampire. Yeah, and I have to comment on how Bruce Campbell looks in this because I think this is my favorite look of his because I didn't even recognize him at first because he's got... You know, nice hair. It's like I'm not saying he doesn't ever have nice hair, but his hair is very his hair is very, you know, done over and he's got circular glasses and a mustache. And, you know, I was like, cool, that's a different look. So, you know, good on him for trying something different. Cause I seriously I did not recognize him and I was like, Oh shit, that's Bruce Campbell. Yeah, so. that was really funny. We're like, Wait, is that Bruce Campbell? I'm like, wow. Yeah, he's been in it's been five minutes. What? <laughs> um So at this point we're gonna all these stories kind of culminate into the night that the um, the vampire overthrow starts to take place because there are the vampires in town who are totally fine with being vegetarian and then the vampires they didn't know about that are like creating an army to um, 
wipe these vampires out because uh, they've decided that like, oh, um, you vegetarian vampires are an abomination. Because heaven forbid. It's an abomination. Yeah, and um, I th- I like that they incorporated the fact that they've got the uh, two main bad guys kill the sheriff <coughs> be, um, to test out their new guns, which have um, reinforced wooden bullets, I think is what they called them. Something like that. Yeah, the the, the, the tip of the bullet is just some, some sort of uh, holy... I think it's like... Because it doesn't have to be, it's, wasn't it, it dipped in holy water or something like that? Yeah, it depends on the lore. I think this one, in this instance, it was just reinforced. Just like in uh, Underworld, they were UV bullets. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, They're just, yeah. um, you know, just make up something, stick that in a bullet, and uh, vaguely explain how you made that make sense. Because, you know, wood bullets well, totally make sense. Well, it was hilarious, too, because at one point with the wooden bullets... Uh, someone's shooting at another person and he shoots him uh, on the left side and then in the middle. He's like, no, through the heart, through the heart, because it's not going to do anything to the vampire unless it goes through the heart. So I, I thought that was I thought that was another silly bit that they were doing in there as well. Yeah, that was pretty uh, spectacular. So it all kind of culminates into a, um, a standoff there and then they're running all over the town. And at that point, it's far too confusing to explain. But it's a very silly film. Everybody is, it, it's funny because they're, they're all definitely taking their roles seriously, Yeah, it's, but they're, it's but they're much... like having fun with it. Like they're, no one's phoning in their roles except for maybe the kids. Um, yeah, they were definitely chewing through their lines just a bit. Yeah. But everybody just takes it so seriously and there's absolutely no reason to, because it's such a bizarre film, but it's really amusing to watch and the whole end bit I will say goes on for an extremely long amount of time. The whole uh, climax of the film goes on for a bizarrely long amount of time. Um, yeah. At almost two hours, I was, I know I, I certain parts. I could have cut down the uh, whole yeah. shootout scene that takes place across like the whole entire town. This would have gotten a, a four for me if, if they had ended it a bit sooner. Cause yeah, like I said, at an hour and 44, it just, Okay, you know, not that I'm not having fun with it, but you could have chopped probably about 12 minutes off and cut it down to almost an hour and a half, and it would have been a much more, um, just a much, like, I don't know, just a little bit better with the timing and pacing. And, and, I, like and I will say the very end, how they, like, save the day made absolutely no sense, and they, I mean, it did make sense, but in context it made no sense, and uh, frankly, they didn't explain it, so you're just like, I, I guess yeah, I so. don't understand. Didn't stick the landing, essentially, but I mean... The rest of the movie was just so amusing. It was so amusing because not only did you have the story with... The, so this you have the story with the family that's going to Purgatory. You have Bruce Campbell's like side quest with um, uh, Sandy. Yeah. You have Mordulak's whole thing. Then you have the... Uh, rogue vampires and their thing. And then you have the fucking nectar. So you have like seven different things all around you that somehow just mesh fucking pretty well for a movie with a lot of plot. It's not one of those that's overwhelming and you can't keep up. It's actually woven in pretty, pretty damn good for this random movie you've never heard of. Yeah. Because their plots they for that whole situation to work, the, um, the storylines have to overlap and interweave with each other, and they did do that like very well. Yeah, very well. Yeah, um, like Bruce Campbell's storyline, um, 
weaves in with uh, David Carradine's uh, storyline and um, the whole nectarine thing merges in with the family and the um, rogue vampires merges in with the family again and the nectarine. Like, as long as it all blends together, then it works. Um, and I think that's why it was so enjoyable because they they did a really nice job. They They really fleshed out the plot. They just, you know, in some parts... And which can happen to pretty much any movie. They there are some parts where they let it go a little too long, but um, yeah, it was it was a good time. Wait, why does this say nineteen eighty nine? Oh, that's I right. I remember we, I told you. Yeah, that. we looked at this. Sorry. Um, so <clears throat> you and you know what's funny about this? I'll get to the ratings in just a second. Uh, yeah, going back to to the movie itself, it's just I. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It came out of nowhere. You you recommended this one, and well, and I, and I think the reason you recommended it too is fucking Bruce Campbell is on the title card of this movie. They so. heavily implied he was much more in it, much like Maniac Cop. He was billed much higher than he was actually right. in the film. So you have Maniac Cop, where it's really focused around Tom Atkins, and um, it's really focused around him. It, it the the, the for, for the two thirds of the film. It yeah, is. and even uh, Teresa. So it's Teresa and Tom Atkins because Bruce Campbell is in jail. You know, he's awaiting what's going on. And then this one, you know, he's just a part of the story. Who who you know, he's in. I'd say like seventy five percent of it, but he doesn't pop in until about twenty minutes. Uh, and you know, he's kind of around. So yeah, because that one's more sundown's more about the family. Really, it's really about their story because they're the, they're like the nucleus that kind of holds everything together. But it's just it's such a wacky movie. I, did we rent this? Or no, what? that was this one was like I said. I went on Amazon and then looked up Bruce Campbell to see what movies were streaming that were horror movies for oh, free. That's right, so it yeah. is streaming for free on Amazon. Yeah, so yeah, streaming for free on Amazon. And I think I think this is the first time that we've picked two movies. That have the same exact rating on both platforms, which is wow. really weird because Maniac Cop had a 3.1 on Letterboxd. Okay, 3.1. Then we go over to uh, to Sundown. The hell did it go? 3.1, and then IMDb 6.1 for Maniac Cop, 6.1 for Sundown. That's crazy. And I gave them both a 3.5. I you probably give this one like a four, right? I'd give it about a three and a half. Okay, so about where I'm at. So that's kind of funny. I don't think we've ever had two movies that had the exact same ratings across all platform or IMDb and Letterboxd, and then I also gave them a 3.5. So that's that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so, hey, both these movies are – I mean, if you, as long as you have Prime and you have Shudder, both these movies are streaming. You can go watch them. Uh, let's go into the trivia real quick for these because there wasn't much. but There was uh, actually only three. There was three to be specific, so – so go ahead. Um, the last film from Vestron Pictures, after filming was complete, Vestron was deadlocked between releasing either this film theatrically or Earth Girls Are Easy. It chose this film, which was a flop, over Earth Girls Easy or Earth Girls Are Easy, which was a hit. Which is fair because um, I, I I do really love Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah, but I mean, I just feel like this is one of those that. Was it just? I, I don't think it's. I don't think it was right for the times. I really don't. I don't think yeah. this was a right movie for 1991. It Plus, just, it's a it's a very odd concept for people to get behind. Yeah, it, it's also a it's a horror some western. I mean, you know, there's really not too many horror you know, westerns. And I told you this reminded me of the um the movie The Warrior's Way, which is n- ninjas and cowboys. Oh boy. And carnies. Oh boy. And um. I don't know why, but if you add anything extra to the whole Western 
idea, it does not work. It's like Cowboys and Aliens. That did not work for people either. A, like, it was a weird movie. <laughs> um, anytime you just add in an extra layer, people are out. And which is sad because it's so f- Western movies are such a fun topic to like then add an extra piece into. Well, and it's really funny because the only really Western vibe I got was the fact that it was in the desert. And every now and again, they'd have uh, like a harmonica or some sort of like twangy country song. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> whatever. I don't care. This movie's amazing. I love it. Yeah. And then the weird standoff at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and God. then in the first few minutes of the film, there's a poster for the Ken Russell film Vampire, which never made it beyond the script. Such a shame. She's running over here. Sorry. Um, and one. then Purgatory within a Catholic doctrine is a place or state of suffering inhabited by the souls of sinners who are ex ex expiant ex- what expiating i copied and pasted this so their this is- sins before going to heaven um i it's, don't it's it's a holding place it's a standby and which is funny because vampires really aren't living or dead so yeah that's kind of funny um yes for the love of god Go check this one out. If you're going to check one out, we're, it's I already know this is going to be the recommendation for it the is, week. Absolutely. Uh, sundown, the retreat, or uh, fucking Sundown, the retreat. The, the vampire va- in retreat. The retreat in vampire. No, the vampire in retreat. My God, what a wacky 90s movie. What a weird title. What a, Yeah, what a very odd. That's also probably, you know, titles can also ruin movies, especially... You know, when you're going to see one in theater, this probably didn't fit on the marquee. So people are like, Sundown, the va- the vampa, the va- what the fuck? Who the fuck is Sundown and what is a vam? I don't understand what's happening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, both of these, I, I like both of these uh, equally movie-wise because while I felt Maniac Cop had the better ending and better pacing, I thought this one was a lot more fun but had an odd ending but also went on for too long. So that's why they got the same rating from me because... They, you know, they were both good just for different reasons. Um, uh, for me, I pick, I would pick this one because it was more unique a concept. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, for like sure. Maniac. Sure. Like I said, I, I didn't really have a problem with Maniac Cop. It just wasn't really too original for me. No, no, I know. Um, I know. But this, this one yeah. was just so original, and it, yeah. and it didn't burn me by picking a movie that original that no one had heard of. Oh, I know. Which it, usually we get burned on. that. Well, I mean, you typically if it's if it's got a three or more on letterbox that's typically a good sign that i am going to like it you know what i mean a, a, yeah. a, a three is a solid so when you when it had a 3.1 i said hell yeah let's 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 do this so um yes let's get into some trivia real quick and uh maybe this will go as well as it did last time <laughs> oh that's the answer what the fuck <laughs> well here you go here's your first one what is the name of the camp and the first installment of friday the 13th everywhere in this room it's about, it's about, Lake. It's about 700 places in this room yes ding 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 good grief what is the name of the character in poltergeist who says they are here i mean it's the daughter whose name is oh man i'm thinking cindy lou but i know it's not it's cindy lou not but i see why you'd think that <laughs> is it mary lou nope Shit. That was your only guess. Uh, it's Carol Ann. Carol Ann. It's one of those two namers. Yes, which is why I knew that's why you were doing Damn that. Damn it. Cindy Lou Who. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. A group of young people are guided through an abandoned radioactive area in Russia in which 2012 film? Oh, crap. Oh, my God. I love this so much. 
Oh, I don't know the title of that movie. Turn turn around. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Chernobyl Diaries. I have a giant um, uh, actual from uh, Spencer used to work at the movies. I totally forgot that was back there. I know. I did. Too. I, when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, it's right there. I know. There. Well, you seeing the thing about uh, Friday the 13th, I'm just like, um... Hello? Yeah, I have a, uh, a, p- a poster that's legitimately from the movies that they use in the uh, the light boxes that they have of Chern- Chernobyl Diaries and uh, Doctor Sleep. Spencer gave those to me that I'm going to hang up once we move into our uh, once we move into our new place. Very excited to hang those up. Yep. All right. Oh, it's your turn. Who wrote the novella The Hellbound Heart, which inspired the movie Hellraiser? Clive Barker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One to one. One to one. Here we go. What is the name of Broken Lizard's 2004 slasher film that was released after Super Troopers? Oh. Oh, um, uh, oh crap. I do know that movie. Really? Too. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> ooh, that's, oh, that's going to piss me off that I, I know it and I'm literally picturing it and I cannot think of the name. It's two words. No, I, I don't know what it is. Now. Club Dread. Damn it. I did know that. I've seen that <laughs> stupid movie. I was going to say. Like think Cape Fear just because it kind of it sounds similar. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. I know it's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, what European director of the classic 1977 film Suspiria also is also known as the Italian Hitchcock? Oh, Dar- Dario Argento. Yes. Boom. 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 Two to one now. Two to one. Two to one. All right. What 2000 film starring Jennifer Connelly was based on a book by the author of the Ring trilogy? I just saw a freaking trailer for this the other day. It's a really old. I don't know why I'm seeing it because it's you know 15 years old, but I really do want to see this. Jennifer there- Connelly? Yeah. I know. It's weird. There's a, there is a Japanese one, and then America, of course, remade it like two years later. Yeah. The, I, of course, the Japanese one's going to be better. But In what year? Um, shit. 2005 with Jennifer Connelly. Two words. I have no idea. Dark Water. No, I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't either until I was either reading something or saw a trailer, and I was like, oh, that looks pretty it good. Looks, the only dark water that I know about is the uh, weird pirate 80s cartoon show, and I used to love that one. Well, that's a topic for a different day, because I want to see that. Yeah, it was real good. Um, What are we at? Three to one? I think I... I Two wait. to one... Well, did I get the... Did I just... I got the, Did I get the last one? Dario Argento? Dario Argento. Then we're three, then, then we're three to one. Okay. Yeah. What 2016 movie finds a group of thieves trapped inside a house they are trying to rob and discover the owner is not just blind and helpless? Oh, jeez, don't breathe. Son of a bitch. This is bullshit. Oh, because you're not winning, really? Hold on, let me go back real quick because I want to make sure it, it is. I got that one. I got Dario Argento. I got Hellraiser. And... Didn't get the Carol Ann one. So okay, so you were at two. Now, now I'm at three. Now now it's three to one. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to make sure. I, I thought we were, but okay. So now it's three to one. Yeah, you think we'd be able to count to five, but apparently we can't. We can't. Uh, what is this? <laughs> oh, what is the name of Sigourney Weaver's character in Alien? Um, think Deadpool. Ripley. I'll give it to you because I didn't even know her first name. There's, it's a two-namer. I fucking didn't even know. It's Ellen Ripley, but I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I, I I'll, I'll give it to Ripley. you. No, no, I'll give it to you. Okay, thank Ripley you. from Alien yeah. 3? Fuck, you're old. Um, Deadpool? No? Okay. Fine. No, I just knew it from watching Alien. Well, no, uh, I did too. I, would, uh, I was just saying... What sci-fi horror film does a black hole unleash its evil upon the actors Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill? What the fuck? 
I've never heard of this. Well, I've heard of it, but I didn't know that was the plot. Sam Neill and what from what? What from when? It doesn't say what year. Fucking Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Neill. I I mean, it's got to be like it's got to be like eighties or nineties. I would just no. It's probably oh god, Black Hole. What? Not in the mouth of madness. The only movie I know that Sam Neill was in the horror is in the mouth of madness. Or in event. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, event Horizon. Event Horizon. Okay, crazy. Yes. Sorry, I forgot Fishburne's in that. It's a young Fishburne face. Okay, that's, well that's, that's nineteen ninety-seven. That's four. Oh my four god. Four to two. I was like, I only know him in, in Mouth of Madness and Event Horizon. Oh shit! Black Hole Space. Focus. What is the name of the horror film magazine that debuted in 1979 and is returning to print in 2018? This is an old game. I know this one. Thank God I didn't get this one. What do I got for you? Phantasmagoria. Whoa! So close. Fangoria. Damn it! <laughs> so close. Um, you got the first part. You got the we got you got the first part and the and the end part. You just added that shit in the middle. I mean, it's a word. So. <laughs> uh, complete this quote. I ate his liver with some. A bottle of uh, fava beans and a bottle of Chianti. <laughs> no. What? Fava beans and a nice Chianti. Oh, come on. Ha! Oh, that's bullshit. I'm not handing you points. What the? Come on. You've got four. Fava beans and a bottle of Chianti. Whatever. That's, you know what's funny is the fact that I'm remembering that quote from Dumb and Dumber, and that's how he says it. Yes. Wrong. God. Four to two. Mm-hmm. Well, here's three. This 1931 movie features a classic line: "It's alive! It's alive!" Frankenstein. Frankenstein. All right, come on, bring it home, baby. Who is the director of the 1982 movie Creep Show? <laughs> I should know. This was written by Stephen King. Fuck. George Romero. Yes. Yes. Oh God. Did I win? I Yay, win. win. I finally won. Oh my goodness! You did it! Oh my goodness! Finally! Mm-hmm. Holy cow! Yay! Yay! It only took me forever. Wait, let me turn my computer down, off, whatever you want to call it. All right, so that was our Bruce Campbell adjacent horror episode. I hope you enjoyed it because we did not mean to do that, but it kind of just happened. But I'm still labeling. We this. meant to do more Bruce Campbell than less Bruce Campbell, but you know Bruce Campbell was present. Well, it's hard to do deeper cut movies uh, with famous actors if you've never seen them. You know, like I never heard of Sundown, and he's on the cover, so you're like, yeah, he's yeah. And Maniac Cop. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was Maniac Cop. I, I don't know, man. I obviously don't know shit. Probably yeah. should have looked at IMDb. Oh, man. All right. Anyways, you've done two weeks in a row. I'm giving you the week off. Yay. Actually, you get the next two weeks off. Yay. Because the next two weeks, um, I'll just say, I'll say, you know, I'll just I'll go ahead and say, because this is actually kind of cool. We're actually doing a fan call-in episode. Me and Corey are, we're having a, like a, one of our fans who wanted to be hit up Corey Wants to be on the show. I was like, yeah, so that's fine. So we're going to have a, a fun fan episode. And then the week after that, we actually have a uh, director who's going to come on. I'm not going to say who, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that's the next two weeks of the podcast. So Yay. boom. I don't have to watch any movies. That's good. That's good. I mean, I mean it's not good because I like watching horror movies. But, but there are other movies to watch sometimes. Nonetheless, it's going to be a next uh, next fun couple of weeks. So I'm very excited for Fan Call. And that's a first 
That's a Frightmares first, and then, you know, uh, I think this will be the one, two, third director that we've had on. Very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff, man. I like it. So, uh, yeah, that is going to wrap up this episode, and I'm throwing it over to you because until next week. Stay tuned and stay spoopy. Spoopy, I like it. Spoopy. 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 Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Murder. Bye. Thank you.